Do you want to live freely and lightly in your purpose and passion? More than ever, we need to learn to live in rhythms that help move us forward. Welcome to the Exhale Podcast. This is Holly Newton, founder of Exhale Women, and I am your host. I have invited three co-hosts, Annalise Lillard, Annette Yanez, and Cassie Cooper to join me here. We need God's rhythms of grace to live in His strength. What He builds, He sustains. We can't do it without Him. We have some incredible guests lined up, and we can't wait to share these conversations with you. Welcome to the Exhale Podcast. Welcome back to the Exhale Podcast. Today on the show, we have Hope Darst. Hope has been leading worship over 15 years. She's been growing her family and serving the local church. She wears many titles, wife, mother, worship leader, and songwriter. And we just can't wait to dig into this conversation. Um, I met Hope when I was at the Belonging Co. in Nashville when we lived in Tennessee. And she is one of a kind. Um, She loves Jesus, Jesus pursues him with all of her heart. And most of all, she's just real um, about her walk. So let's just dig right in. Hope, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. It's so good to see you, Holly, and all of you ladies. I'm going to try to remember everyone's I don't know if I can remember everyone's name. That's the truth. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have Annalise, we have Annette, and Cassie. Yes. Okay. Yes. Great. I mean, I'm just starting it off very real. Like I could have just faked it, but I don't. I don't remember his name. No quiz. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome. We're so excited to have you. Um, like I said earlier, I've been wanting to have you on for a long time. And whenever um, I decided to do this topic, Beauty for Ashes, I just couldn't help. But mm-hmm. um, for like, I could not forget what you shared one night um, at Teen Night at the Belonging Co. Um, about a particular season you were walking through. So um, let's just start there. Yeah. Well, I mean... You know, I, I've been a believer since I was very young. I was like, I had a, grew up in a believing home. My dad was a minister, prayed that prayer of salvation at five. I meant it. Um, it was not, it was not a momentary thing, but you know, I, it's interesting now having children, children of my own and recognizing that like even an innocent, pure prayer of salvation at five doesn't necessarily mean that understanding lordship takes root at five or six years old. That's something that like, we have to train our children. I love that scripture that says, you know, train them in the ways of the Lord. And when they grow old, they will not depart. And so for me from five to 19, very much a, I would say that didn't really understand Lordship at 19. I have a radical encounter with Jesus and it wrecks my life. Like that real moment of like, Oh, whoa, this is more than just fire insurance to not go to hell. Like this is actually about you being Lord of my life, like surrendering my rights, my dreams, my hopes, and laying them before your feet and saying, you get to re, you know, rewire all the things here. You get to reinvent the story of my life. Like I'm giving you permission to be the author now. Like I'm handing you the pen, you know, cause so many of us want to write our own story. Um, but what I have found is God writes the best story over our lives, but you've got to give him the pen. Like you got to quit being the one that's trying to write every chapter of your life. And I didn't realize at 19 what a bold prayer that that was going to be. It's just like, okay, God, you have everything, my heart, my life, my dreams, all of it. And God has been really faithful to keep his word and make me, you know, live out my end of the bargain. (laughs) um, Some seasons that's been wonderful. And, you know, you feel like you are just like on the mountain and you just see all the goodness of God, just like pouring out, like, you know, 
just a waterfall of his goodness. And then other seasons, you know, on a long journey of faith, you find yourself going, I'm sorry, what just happened? Where are you, God? That was a rock, like that was a turn in the road that I didn't expect, or that just took the wind out of me. I don't even, I can't think of what scripture it is. There's one in the New Testament and in the message where it literally says, like, if you feel like you've gotten the wind kicked out of you, like, I mean, as believers, you don't even have to be a believer, just be a human on, on the face of the earth. And you are going to have seasons where the wind get knocked, gets knocked out of you um, through loss, through grief, through disappointment. And that particular season that you're referring to, Holly, was a season where I felt like the wind got kicked out of me. You know, I was in my 30s. I had already done a lot of life and ministry. I had been on staff at a church for 10 years, over 10 years. Had, um, let me go back. When I was 25, wanted to be a recording artist, like dream of my life. I just wanted to be a famous singer. Like that's all I ever wanted to be. I had no backup plan. I had no college degree. Like I was very committed to the stream. And because of that prayer that I'd prayed all those years ago when God wrecked me, when I felt God nudging on my heart and saying, Hey, that's not the path I have for you. Like I have a different path. I want to write a different chapter in your life. Like, I know this is the chapter you want. This is not the chapter I'm writing. And are you willing to really surrender to that? Well, I did. And as a result, I stopped pursuing becoming a full, like a recording artist and putting out albums and got into calling me into vocational ministry. And it, it just was the greatest thing, but like the greatest detour. I always call it like the great detour of my life because it ultimately put me on the path that I know I was put on the face of the earth for. Um, and so I did that for 10 years. I was at a church growing, helping grow their um, worship department. I was young. I was inexperienced. I made a million mistakes. I probably didn't do anything right, to be honest with you, when I look back now. Um, and because of that, kind of about a decade in, God, again, I found myself in a really difficult season. My parents were going through a divorce. I was, I had severe postpartum depression and I just wasn't in a good place. And it was a moment of going, I've been ministering now for a really long time. I think I need a season of being ministered to. So in this season, I end up meeting the facilities, going to the belonging. And I just walk out a really deep hidden season of God doing deep work. I mean, deep work in my heart, like all those hidden things, all those little things that like you not hidden, like sin stuff, like the big stuff, but the hidden sins of like jealousy and insecurity and fear. And like, God was like doing a deep, not that those are little things. They're all, they all matter. But you know, like we tend to be like, I got all the good external stuff taken care of. And we just can kind of ignore like the minefield of our heart and our minds. And God was doing a really deep work. And so because of that, once again, I wasn't on staff anymore. I, I had come off staff. I had stopped. I started leading worship all over the country. So I stopped leading worship all over the country. And I just felt like God said, I want you to just commit to a season of healing and being at home. I had two small kids. And so I honestly thought at that point, like, I, I may never lead worship again. Like that, that just may never happen. And slowly but surely, our pastors started inviting me to be a part of the worship team a part of what God was doing at the belonging. And I was just like beyond humbled. Cause you got to think like when you've gone through two now journeys of like laying something down and surrendering it for God to breathe into it, 
again, you just, or at least for me, I was so humbled. I was so overwhelmed at God's kindness that he would even allow me to be a part of something again. So that was about as far as my like thinking went. And then the world of songwriting opened up, which I had never done before. And um, in that season, one of the very first few songs that I wrote was a song called Peace Be Still. And it was one of those moments where you kind of like, I didn't know, I didn't know how significant the song was going to be. But I think at the same time, it kind of resurfaced all these like lingering things that I hadn't fully addressed. And when our church ended up releasing our worship album and we put the song on the record, I was not the one singing the song. Um, Lauren Daigle ended up singing the song and it was, it confronted like all of a sudden I found like this wave of disappointment, like coming up in my heart that I was like, Whoa, Whoa, where's this coming from? I thought we dealt with this. I thought this was like, I, God, like I've done so much work to like not need identity from this and not like need significance from this, but like, this is taking the wind out of me. And I remember just having all like the enemy just spewing so many lies to me in that season. Like you are not called to lead worship. You're not called to write songs. You're not called to be in front of people. Like you don't, you don't possess the character to carry something like, like, the onslaught of the enemy to come after like my mind and my spirit in that season was so intense. And I recognize now years later, like, man, the enemy will do anything. He will do anything to sabotage that, which is a call on your life. And a lot of times the greatest weapon that he uses is disappointment and disappointment will ultimately lead into bitterness and forgiveness. And that starts to cause you to detach, to disengage from community, from God, from people, um, from the promises of God, from the voice of God. Like you just start to shut down. And eventually what ends up happening is you depart. You just depart. You depart from church life. You depart from reading your Bible. You depart from trusting that God is good and he's for you. And I remember this really distinct moment in that season. And what Holly was referring to at the beginning of the podcast was this night was at, I was at church and I was sharing the story. I was mid story. I'm now many years past that story, but I remember just being like crying out to God and just being like, God, why won't you just like change the situation? Like, why won't you just like make it to where I could, like, I can be the one like this. What, what is it? What's so wrong with me that you don't trust me? Like, why can't you make mountains move for me? Like I've done everything that you've asked in my 20 years of following you. And I just remember God was just like, so clear. And he was just saying like, Hope, I'm not interested in moving the mountain that you want to move. You want me to move. I'm interested in moving mountains inside of you the mountain of your heart, the mountain of your disappointment, the mountain of your bitterness, the mountain of your jealousy, the mountain of your insecurity. He's like, cause I can move a mountain and make this situation turn around for you. And it's not going to actually change anything about you. Or I can change you from the inside out and it impacts every area of your life, your parenting, your marriage, your ministry, your songwriting, the way you pay your bills on time, the way you manage your time, the way, like God was way more concerned about something 
much, much deeper in me. And I remember standing a couple, probably a couple months later, uh, I was standing in worship and, you know, look, here's the thing. These are not overnight journeys. A lot of time, do you know what I mean? Like we want to think that thing is done. I'm good. And then another way of disappointment comes and you got to readdress it and you got to lay that thing back down. And, you know, I know we're talking about beauty for ashes. And there was this one moment I was standing in worship. I was standing side stage. The team was um, leading worship that week. And I remember just standing there and God just giving me a picture. And in one hand was the title of Peace Be Still. And one hand was the title of another song. And I felt like God just said, I hope you've never had any difficulty like giving tithes and offering, like laying things off, like giving me like money. He said, but money's not your treasure. He was like songs and having significance in the world of music is your treasure. And I'm asking you to let that thing die right now and lay it on an altar and sacrifice it and give it to me like it is your first fruits. And if you'll do this, your need, your basket, your whatever you want to call it, it will never run dry. But if you cannot tie these two things, like, and it wasn't physical, it was internal. It was an internal moment of going, I'm either going to wrap my mind up in these two things, these two songs, because I was early on in my songwriting career. I hadn't written much. It's funny when you haven't when you don't have a lot in your hands in the beginning, you can choose very quickly to become a poor man's thinker and quickly adopt this idea of, but this is all I have. I'll never have anything else. What if I never write another song? What if I never have another opportunity? Well, that's just God showing you how little you trust the man who, or the God who has a thousand cattle on a hill, who is your provider, who has more than enough for you and everyone else at the table. And I just felt like God was like, this is a defining moment for the rest of your life. And, you know, I just chose in that moment to say, okay, God, it's yours. Like if this is where there has to be another place of death, another place of ashes, another place of being willing to let you do the hard, deep work that comes through a refining fire to bring out some gold that I'm willing to let you. And I, I kid you not from that night on something shifted, something shifted in my heart. And over the next couple of years, I watched what started as a place of disappointment become such a place of joy and such a place of honestly God birthing song after song, after song, after song, and me not needing those songs to to no longer like give me any value. I mean, at that point I was like, I don't care who sings the songs that I write, give them all away. Like God had really done that deep work where I was no longer attaching my value to this part of my life, which was, that was the goal all along. Like God wanted to make sure that my value was rooted in him. Cause I didn't know that four years later, God was going to be like, I'm going to actually call you into a whole other season where you're going to sign a record deal you're going to release that song. That song's going to go out into the world in the middle of a pandemic, talking about peace, be still. It's going to minister to people. You're going to have an opportunity to share your story over and over and over and talk about what I've done. And 
I was saying to you guys earlier, a lot of people think that that's the beauty, right? Like there's beauty for ashes. The beauty is the deep work that God did in my spirit and in my heart and who he made me in the hidden place when no one was looking. No one was looking on that moment in the stage when I was side stage and I'm having a conversation with God. No one was looking when I was getting up every single day and being willing to just show up and go, God, you don't have to do anything with this. Like this doesn't have to go anywhere, but I, I just love doing it. So I'm going to show up and serve my local church and write songs for my local church and write songs about who I think you are and help me walk out the journey of faith. I, there was no longer an agenda. There was no longer a, I hope all of this leads to something. It was just me doing it because I loved it and I felt called to it. And so I was saying to you, the beauty was the deep work that God did in me, but this season has been the fruit of that deep work. And I think so often we don't want the ash season because it is painful. There's grief, there's death, there's loss. And we, as a human nature, want to avoid things that don't feel good. We want to avoid things that are painful, but just like Christ in his death, there was resurrection of life that was then made all of us be able to be made to live again. Like, right. Like, so we benefit from the death of Christ. And I think the same is true for us. If we're meant to be like Christ, we benefit from places of death. We benefit from places of ashes, not because God wants us to have to walk through grief and death and disappointment. That was never his plan. Um, that was never his intention, but on this side of heaven, there's just a lot of deep, beautiful work that God does in the places where there are ashes. Cause somehow he just takes all of those ashes. I, I always have this picture of like in the garden when he just breathed into the dirt and the dust and out came, you know, Adam. And I always think of that like ashes, like God just breathing on the ashes and suddenly what just looks completely dead and awful suddenly just becomes something so beautiful. And I'm going to turn it over to y'all, but there, it's funny because I want to read the scripture because now you guys knowing, of course, my phone is like not, it's your scripture, but I want you to hear this scripture in the light of the story that I just told you to appoint them, Isaiah 61, three, to appoint them unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. For me, God has literally made every place where there has been a spirit of heaviness, where there's been disappointment, where there's been loss and grief. And he's literally given me the gift to turn every single one of those seasons into a garment of praise. And I write them in the songs and they are truly garments that I've had to wear in seasons of deep insecurity, deep fear, deep disappointment. And every time I've chosen to allow that to birth a song of praise, I'm telling you, it's changed my life. It's realigned me with the Father. It's brought healing. It's brought clarity. It's brought faith in the midst of fear. And it's the story of my life. And I think till, the, till I take my dying breath, I will be doing that. I will be writing the songs that declare his promises over my life and hopefully, hopefully other people's lives to be garments that we can wear in every season, and especially the seasons where it feels like a pile of ashes and allow him to make it beautiful again. Wow. That's incredible. Hope. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I just, I keep going back to that, that piece of your story where you talk about how, um, 
you know, you recognized that God wanted to do a deeper work in your heart. Um, it wasn't about him, you know, moving the mountain that you were facing is about him moving mountains in your heart. Yeah. And I think, you know, speaking from personal experience, I'm sure for so many people listening, you know, we all, we all have mountains that, you know, we are facing or we have faced or we're going to face. Yeah. And sometimes there are mountains that, that we face that God is saying, Hey, this is a place where you're going to press in and you're going to move in spite of the mountain and you're going to step in in faith and see what I can do. And then there are seasons where that mountain is meant to be there because of a deeper mountain inside of us um, that God wants to work on. And I just would love to hear like, how did you recognize like what God was doing in that season, that it wasn't just like, oh, I need to pray harder and, and you know, by faith, move this mountain in front of me. Yeah. How did you take a second to pause and recognize, oh, this is a mountain that God wants to move in me? Yeah, I think it's twofold. One, I'm, I'm actively in community. Like I am actively in community with my pastors, with the worship team, with my husband, I'm being honest and vulnerable with them and verbalizing the internal struggle that maybe I was going through Mm -hmm. in that season. That's still something I do today. You know, I'm going to be honest and tell my husband, I'm really struggling with X, Y, and Z, or, Mm -hmm. Hey, this is what is going on in my mind. And can you speak to that? Cause I'm, 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 I'm recognizing some of it's true. And some of it doesn't feel true. And I'm having a hard time deciphering what is true and what isn't true according to God's word. Or like, I'm I'm nervous that my emotions and my feelings are starting to determine what I'm believing in this season. And so Mm -hmm. one, this is why being in community is massive. So often we aren't in community and then we begin to have crisis or we begin to struggle or find ourselves in a difficult season And then we have nowhere to turn or we've been in community and that community has caused us to be vulnerable. That community is, has given, or I should say, gives you the opportunity to be vulnerable, which also means there's going to be teachable moments. There's going to be humbling moments, like being vulnerable is difficult. Right. And so we tend to like want to run away, but instead, like I've learned that the greatest thing I can do is lean into that. Second, I've cultivated, again, partly because of being in in community and my pastors taught me to value learning the voice of God and listening to the Holy Spirit on a regular daily basis to be of the most high value. And one of the ways that I always describe this to people is, you know, we always talk about as believers, how many of you have heard like, Jesus wants to have a relationship with you, right? Like we talk about that. Well, that's true of the whole Godhead. It's not just Jesus. God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all want to be in relationship with us. And they each have different roles. And one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to be not just the comforter, which we hear about a lot, and not just an encourager, which we hear about a lot, but also a truth teller, or there's one that says the revealer of truth or a truth teller, because think about it. The truth has to be in all of them. So one of the things, and you know, the Holy Spirit's called the great counselor, right? What do we think about when counselors? Counselors are there to help us 
kind of break apart what's really happening and get to the truth and get to the, like the heart of the matter, which is the Holy Spirit. He's always about getting to the heart of the matter with us. And when I think about being in relationship with people, think about your friends. Who do you call your friend? These are the people that you talk to on a daily basis, on a regular basis. If it's somebody, like when I think about people that, well, I know them, but I don't really talk to them all the time. They're not really a friend. We really have a tendency to value the level of intimacy with people based on how often do I talk to them? How often do I spend time with them? My husband on this side of the earth is the person that I have the most intimacy with because he he gets it all, right? All, the most time, the most words. I'm so sorry, David. Um, you know, and my and like I have a different friend in this season of life whose name is Natalie and I we talk every single day, right? So I'm saying all of this because that is the level of intimacy you have to have with the Holy Spirit. He cannot be just an acquaintance that you don't talk to that often, that you're not in daily conversation with. And then when you're in crisis, expect that you're going to have the ability to discern what's really happening, what he's saying to help you understand what's really going on. So I had cultivated this relationship with the Holy Spirit for years. So now, even when I'm in really difficult seasons where I can tell my mind and my heart are really struggling to stay in alignment with God's truth. Or I just find that, you know, disappointment is rearing its ugly head or fears rearing its ugly head or anxiety is coming after me. Or let's just say like, let's get really practical for people that are walking out sickness, people that are walking out unwanted singlehood, or they want a baby or their job is terrible or they're just lost a loved one. There is a spiritual thing that's happening simultaneously with what's happening in the natural. And the enemy so very much wants those to be moments where we start to doubt that God is still who he says he is, and that he's with us and that he's for us. And so it's really subtle. It's really in the tiniest of increments. I always say the enemy doesn't come and try to steal a mile. He just tries to steal an inch at a time. You know, and the thing is, you have got to already know his voice so that when you are in a season and things just feel swirly and it's hard to discern what is true suddenly, you've got to go back to the way I know the voice of the Holy Spirit and his voice will cut through. Just like it says, sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Um, What's so interesting about that is that you can, um, like, if I was a shepherd and you were a shepherd, Cassie, and we both had sheep, I could walk into your field and talk to your sheep and they would not come to me. But the minute you would say something, the sheep would immediately come. It's because they know your voice because you're with them every single day. You talk to them every single day. They've learned the inflection of your voice. They have learned the tone of your voice. They've learned so much about it and they follow only that voice. And so for those of you that are listening, you have really got to cultivate talking to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's really simple. I mean, it just starts out with like, hey, Jesus, <laughs> I don't even really know how to do this, but here's what's going on in my life. And I'm really struggling. And then it's inviting the Holy Spirit saying, Holy Spirit, I don't even know how to have a conversation with you. I thought you were just a wind or a fire. And I wasn't even 
sure that you were a person, but I'm starting to recognize like, oh wait, you are an actual part of the Godhead. You are a person that I'm still meant to be in relationship with. And I want to learn how to be in relationship with you. I want to learn your voice. And then you just start doing it every single day, talking out loud, having conversations, being willing to sound weird in your car, in your shower and not caring because I'm telling you, he will talk back. And then when you are in your seasons of really challenging things, that voice, you will know when he talks and you will run to it, even if it's confronting your own stuff. That's the hardest part is that he's really gentle and he's really kind, but he's also really honest. And he's like a best friend who will tell you, girl, get your stuff together. (laughs) You crazy right now. (laughs) Like it's just, he's very honest and in a way that you're like, Oh, I don't want to hear that, but I know it's true. And so in that season, I didn't want to hear that it was really an issue in my heart that needed to be dealt with, but I knew the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it was one that I trusted. I trusted only had good intentions towards me. And I had to make a decision in that moment to go, I either ignore this because my pride just doesn't want to deal with it. Or I trust that when you were the same God that was, was walking me through and telling me, you know, the things I wanted to hear in seasons because it was for my good. And because you love me, it's the same here. Um, so that was a long answer, but I think it's an important one. Would you say that that dying to yourself <clears throat> that you had to do, um, combined with the Holy Spirit, is what has set you up for the season that you're in? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I mean, I just have gotten really accustomed to death. <laughs> so I've learned, like, <laughs> just, all right, there's another, like, okay, let's set ourselves again today. Let's start ourselves yeah. again. Like, I mean, you know, one of the things that I felt like a couple of years, the Lord just said to me is like, um, where is the death of Christ alive in your life? Yeah. That I, if I'm a follower of Christ, if I confess to be a follower of Jesus, there should be evidence of places in my life that I am willingly and actively dying to my flesh. So for moms, when you're at home and you're in the season of motherhood, it's the Dying of flesh looks like, oh my gosh, I'm going to fix a 15th meal and I'm going to do it with joy. (laughs) It looks like, you know, it it looks like when you just want to hide in your bathroom for two hours and check out and be like, survive on your own. Like you go, Holy Spirit, give me supernatural energy to show up right now. Now I'm not... I'm not saying that there aren't moments that you need to go hide, go hide. Um, but I'm just saying it's, it's a real dying to self. It's, it's a real, like, I just want to watch Netflix today and do nothing. But instead I'm going to serve my family. Like there's laundry that needs to be done. And, and look, some days I'm great at this. And some days I just fail and I miss the mark. Like I'm, there's no judgment in what I'm saying, but whatever season you're in, there should be places of death that you can be able to see. So like for me in this season, like I am carrying way more than I have ever carried. And part of 
what does it look like to look like Christ in this season is, is me having to be really, really faithful to do all the things of like, I have to make sure I'm in my word, even if it means I have to get up early, which I do not want to do. (laughs) Like (laughs) it means that I have to be willing to like get my life organized, which is so, and like, and like the antithesis antithesis of who I am. Like I had to go buy a planner the other day and I I thought I died a million deaths. Like it was just this confronting moment of like, Hey girl, your memory is shot. You can't remember anything and your family is suffering as a result where death looks like, Hey, I'm going to actually have people in my home right now, even though it's costly. Like I don't have the energy. Like I don't know what season you're in, but you should be able to see evidence of your flesh dying, right? Like, so I think in this season, it really, the years prior, I was having to die to like ego and, and, you know, and, and just, you know, wanting to just pursue dreams that only fulfilled things for me and, and gave me wrong identity and wrong validation. And God really did such a deep work of me being able to die to those things in a really good, healthy way. So that what came alive was a nature and a heart and a mind and a spirit that is really, really rooted in my value and my worth is in Jesus Christ. It does not matter if I ever write another song. It doesn't matter if I ever have another song on radio, if I ever put another record out, who cares? Like I'm actually like, that is so small in what God's really ultimately called me to do, which is to make him known. And so, and to, and to look like him in every area of my life. And so I think, you know, the, the woman that I was four or five years ago, I would have wanted to be able to say that to you, but it wouldn't have been true. And God, knowing what was on my life and where the the rooms that he was going to enter me into, he knew the cry of my heart, but he also knew the condition of my heart. And he was determined to make sure that the cry and the condition matched. And so now I can say like the cry of my heart is that I want to make Jesus known. And the condition of my heart is healthy enough to be able to do that in every place that I go. I love that. And it's because you did make a choice, you know, to die to yourself, to die to the ego, to die to the disappointment, to the, what if it never happens for me, you know, and it, you know, it was gone. Um, You know, I think it's important. Um, for those listening to remember what we're talking about is a process that has happened. It wasn't just a one and done, but it oh, is <laughs> you know, we're all in a process. So yeah. when you first learn, start learning to die to yourself, <laughs> or when you're in a season like this was a very pivotal season for you, we can see yeah. um, it probably didn't feel great. Like you no. didn't know oh. the outcome. And we were talking about this before the show started, but no. you really came to the place where it was, yeah. it didn't matter what happened. They right. were just going to be surrendered. Like right. you had no idea what the future held. None. I mean, so this was, was back. Yeah. This was back in like 2016, 2017. Yeah. So, cause I was saying this, I think I alluded to this a little bit earlier. You know, a lot of people look at my story and they're like, Oh, look, see God redeemed it. Now she's a recording artist and she has records and all that. I'm like, yeah. guys, that is not the beauty of my story. The beauty of my story is that what happened 
happened in the hidden place when no one could see anything before there was ever a record deal before there was ever an album when none of that was in the picture, when God was asking this of me in the midst of the season of disappointment, in the midst of the moment of going, you may, I may never write another song. I may never get to sing ever. Like that was the place that I was internally. And God was asking me in that place, would you be willing to die to that here and trust that I only have good intentions for your life? That would you be willing to trust that if nothing ever does happen again, if you actually don't ever write another song, if you, your name is never known and attached to music of any kind, if the rest of your life remains hidden, just serving locally in your little church, no one ever knowing your name, no one ever seeing your life and it only being my eyes, my eyes, the only eyes that ever see. Would you still surrender right now? And I think that that is the actual thing. You know, we, we always talk about that. The moment of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. No one was there. No one was actually witnessing that moment. That was between Abraham and God and Isaac. That's it. And that is actually what I believe is true like surrender. It's not that moment when you're going, all eyes are on me and I have to do this because I know it's the right thing to do in order to prove that I'm who I hope I am. No, God's going, what are you doing when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you and no one's hearing the conversation except for you and me? Is that when you're willing to surrender? When there's nothing ahead, there's no grand story, there's no promised lands in front of you. Like you're going, I may live in this, I may live in this desert forever and die here. <laughs> like, am I still willing? And I was. I don't know why, but by the grace of God, I was. And that is the beauty of my life. The rest of it is just fruit. And I think just that God was like, well, this is a plan that I've written on your life. And this was a call in my life to be a psalmist and to write songs and to serve the local church through songs. But, you know, I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't. I, I think I would have been entangled in disappointment and insecurity probably for the rest of my life. And I think what would have ended up happening is I would have probably self-sabotaged because, you know, talking about wearing a garment of praise, instead I would have worn a garment of bitterness and a garment of disappointment and a garment of insecurity or anger. Um, and isn't it funny how, like, when you start wearing those things, you just don't get invited into a lot of rooms. And as a songwriter, just for my world, the whole thing is about getting in the room, being in the room with people and writing. And I think that's across the board. I think it's just one picture, but like, isn't it interesting how what we wear really does impact who wants to be around us and and the places that we find ourselves. And I just think, man, if I had chosen to stay in the garment of heaviness, in the garment of mourning, in the garment of disappointment, I don't think that I would I would be able to be in some of the places that I am today because it would have just it wasn't the right spirit to be walking in. Those are spirits of death. And Jesus has come to give life and we're meant to give life and be life everywhere that we go. And I want that. So if it means I have to die in certain seasons in order for there to be life later on, 
well, then I'm willing to, because I now understand that's the cycle of being a believer. That's the cycle of being a follower of Christ. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, and, and not of all of it surrender. Do you know what I mean? Like some of it's, you find yourselves just in a season that's just full of devastation. You know, you, you lose someone you love to there's death or, you know, a marriage dies unexpectedly or a job ends unexpectedly. Like there are seasons that you have, it's not about like, you have to be the one that surrenders. Like you can find yourself in really hard seasons, but there is always a moment where that season of grief, that season of sadness, that season of mourning or loss, it can end up becoming a garment that you wear for the rest of your life if you're not careful. And Jesus is so clear that he wants to give us garments of praise and garments of joy and garments of hope and garments of love and life. But there's an exchange. And I love that God is, he is not scared in our mourning. Like it doesn't mean that you can't mourn. It doesn't mean that you can't be honest about the reality of like, Hey, I'm really struggling. Like, I am really sad. I am really disappointed. I am angry. I'm hurting. I'm grieving. That is okay. God can handle that. And and hopefully you're in a community of believers that can handle that because God can handle it. And we should be able to handle what God can handle. Um, But we can't live there forever. Even Lazarus had to get up out of the grave. Like God called him out of a grave. And eventually we have to get out of those graves. We eventually have to get out of those dead men clothes and put back on garments of life. And that's really at the heart of it. And that's, you know, God can't, he can't breathe um, on something that is unwilling to be breathed on and unwilling to be brought back to life. I love that picture of Lazarus. My husband and I were talking about it last night. I thought so interesting, like God could have just, made him get up, but he said, Lazarus, get up. Meaning that even in his death, Lazarus had to partner with what God wanted to do in that season. And that is the thing that ultimately pulled Lazarus up out of death. And I, we are not meant to stay in our ashes. We're just not. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't stay in a grave and we aren't supposed to either. And out of those graves comes beauty and out of those graves comes restoration and healing and resurrection and life that we then get to go tell the story of Jesus about. And I think all of us, we're going to have multiple grave moments, but they're ultimately to be able to tell of what God has done and how he's brought us back to life. I really have loved everything that you're saying. Um, What's so funny is just kind of from the beginning of the conversation, I kept thinking about um, Abraham and Isaac. Oh, yeah. And so, even hearing you bring it up, it even, I, I just heard even something more to it. And I think it's that we hear that story and many times we think that's where we're at, right? We're like, okay, the Lord wants us to surrender, but we automatically expect that story. We're going to surrender because he's going to give it back to us. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times... We think we've surrendered, but <laughs> it's not fully because we have that false expectation of, oh, he's just testing us. And, and we make it light. Yeah. But when you're comparing it or not comparing it, but hearing it with the story of Lazarus, it's like there was a partnering 
that Abraham had to do. And yes. sometimes we skip over that. Yes. And recently just hearing you, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what I feel like I've had to walk through recently. But I think the difference in that partnering is yes, what you're saying, the Holy Spirit, but it's also being able to say words that we don't talk about, which is jealousy or striving, or I'm not enough, or um, why not me? I'm good, right? Like, and I think we don't say those things often. We can talk about, I'm going through something, this is difficult, but when it really comes down to the heart and what God wants to talk about, those are the things that we shy away from sharing later. And so I really have appreciated hearing you say like, hey, honestly, this is what this looked like. This is what I had to to just wrestle out um, and knowing that those are, and I like the, this version of Psalms 23. Um, it says, even in the unending shadows of death's darkness, I'm not overcome by fear because you are with me in those dark moments. And I think it's those shadows, right? Of If we can just bring that light into those shadows of jealousy or um, envy and striving and wanting to be the best, that's really where we see his nearness and, and being I able think, to surrender. I think there's a real, yes, I agree. I agree with everything that you're saying. And I think there's a real challenge for us to not slip into an entitlement theology with God. Yes. That, well, I'm doing everything you asked me to do, God. So when are you going to do your part in the deal? When are you going to, like, if I'm, you know, being faithful and like, like put it in real terms, right? Like someone who is single and is like, I'm not going out and I'm not sleeping around and I'm not like doing all the things that I could be doing to just make this work. Like I'm waiting on you to provide a spouse that is godly and loves you and trusts you. And I'm doing everything right. I'm tithing. I'm being honest. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm going to church. I'm showing up in my work. I'm doing what everyone told me I was supposed to do. So when are you going to do what you're supposed to do, God? Like, I really think we slip into that in areas of our lives and it's a real fine line, right? Because there's a part of it that is actually faith that God says, like, I'm the way, the truth and life that like, when you're following me, it will lead to life. It will lead to the promises of God. And then, you know, because on the opposite end of that, the wages of sin lead to death, right? Like, so it's very clear. God's talking about it, but there's also this part where we can slip into starting to think that like, well, following you means I get X, Y, and Z. And the truth of the matter, like a real hard, blunt truth is God has already done his deal. His, he's already kept up his end of the bargain. He went above and beyond when he saved us from the wages of sin, when he saved us from the curse of sin and death on the cross. Like he doesn't owe us anything else. Everything else from here on out is just a really generous, extravagant dad who really loves his kids and is giving more than we deserve. Like that's the truth of the matter. And I think we have to be really careful that we don't start to go, well, I'm doing this, so I want you to do this. Or I'm following you here, so I'm really waiting for you to show up here. And then when he doesn't do it in the way or the time or the manner that we expected, then suddenly we're like, well, now I don't trust you. 
you're not who you said you were. You didn't come through. And this is real. This is the real conversations that we have internally that we don't want to admit to anyone else, or we don't want to say out loud. And they are the real things that entangle the heart and entangle the mind into disappointment, which we talked about at the beginning, to distrust, to disengaging, to, and then to ultimately just departing. There's a mass exodus right now of people just walking away from the truth of God's word because at the root of it, there was a moment of disappointment and there was a moment of, I want something that my flesh wants and your word is saying that it's wrong, but I want what I want more. So now I'm going to go follow that. And guess what? It leads to department, it, it, to a departure from God's word and following Christ and coming up with a counterfeit theology that is really feeding the flesh, which we've already talked about, like a follower of Christ dies to their flesh, no matter what it costs them. Like that whole thing about when we say like that, you know, salvation is a free gift, but it'll cost you everything. That's real. That's not, that's not hyperbole. That's not metaphoric. It's real. (laughs) But I'm telling you, it's a cost worth paying. It is a cost worth paying because guess what? In my deepest, darkest moments of this life, Jesus has been the only one who ever showed up and comforted my soul and brought joy where there was deep sorrow. He is the only one that has ever brought any level of peace to my anxious mind. And I have dealt with anxiety and bouts of depression my whole life. He is the only one that's dug me up from the pit of just self-absorption and envy and that's it. No one else, no other pill, no other therapy. And I've, I've had to do all of it. None of them saved me. None of them rescued me from the pit that I was in only Jesus by the power of his spirit. And through the revelation of the Holy spirit has done that work in me. And so I'm willing to pay that cost. We would pay that. Think about if we, you know, if you compare it to like all the pictures of like marriage and love, dear Lord, if a human would do that for us, we would do anything for them. Like we would be like, take me right now. Like I'll die. Like we would, as a mom, my goodness, I'd be like, whatever it takes just to, to protect my kids. Why wouldn't we do that for Jesus? Like, why wouldn't we be willing to die to even like ideals and dreams that we have? in the name of following Christ. And that's not a popular conversation. This is not a popular topic, especially in Western culture. But I'm, I'm sorry, I'm watching believers across the world. I'm watching women in, you know, Iraq and Iran, where there is a wave of women, Muslim women who are coming to know Christ through dreams, through visions. And they're going, I was, I was being beaten and, you know, assaulted in the name of Allah and it did nothing for me, but I came to know Christ and it has set me free internally in my mind and my spirit. So why wouldn't I be willing to be beaten and killed for him? I'm like, think, let that like deposit into your spirit for a minute. Like, this is what these women are saying in their willingness to follow Christ. And then we're upset because we didn't get the job we wanted or I didn't get to sing on a song on a record. Like that needs to be dealt with. 
that actually does that kind of thinking, it does need to die in order for us to be become the mature sons and daughters of Christ that we're called to be so that we actually can go do the work of the ministry and actually see people come to Jesus and their lives be transformed. Um, and I'm talking a lot. It's just something I'm super passionate about because it's changed my life. And I don't want to stand before God and, and him be like, you left me and I, and you're here, but did you see how little of a life you lived because you had boxed it into, I just need all of this to feel good and stay good and be good in order for me to trust that you're good and do your, like, and do the ministry and the work of the kingdom. Like, I don't want to live like that. I don't. And I know it's a costly way to live. I'm just willing to pay the price. Yeah. It's, it's, this is so good. It's such a great conversation and it's true. Um, God's purposes and plans for us are risky. <laughs> it costs, it costs us everything. And it's the best. It is. I don't regret. I don't regret any of it. <laughs> no, I know. I know. And it's so important to remember that when you're making those decisions to die, it, it hurts at first, at first. But then, At first, but then God heals those wounds and, and replaces uh, it with so much, so much more life than yes. we can imagine. Yeah. Um, and he never, he never said you're going to have this picket fence plan life. Like he's very clear. He said, Follow me. You will have trouble. <laughs> <laughs> we do not like, we do not like to just like focus on that scripture. We're like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> sure. God. And, <laughs> and then we're in trouble and we're like, I'm sorry, this was not in the like, contract that we signed. Like, I'm pretty sure it was on page one, paragraph one. Like, right. <laughs> it's, it's so true. But And I literally have a white picket fence. And even <laughs> with that, it is not all roses, right? <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't also want to paint this picture that like, you can't believe for anything good and that God doesn't want to pour good things into your life. He does. He's a good dad. I'm a mom. I want my kids to have everything. I don't want any pain to touch them. I don't want them to ever know heartache. I don't want them to ever have a moment. Like, and guess where I get that from? I get that from the heart of the father. It's why he didn't want us to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When he says, They'll become like us and they will know good and evil. Guess what that meant? He only wanted us to know good because he's a dad. He didn't want us to know evil. He didn't want us to ever have to experience loss and death and sickness and heartache. He was trying to prevent us from ever experiencing that. And so when I think about my kids and I go, I don't want them to touch evil. I don't want them to know evil. I don't want it to come near them. That's directly from the heart of Jesus and from the heart of the father. But we also live in a fallen world. And so he's in constant redemption mode. He's doing the redeeming work of that, which we are in. And, you know, the, the thing is, it's okay. Like he's going to bestow good things on us, but at the end of the day, that can become an idol wanting a good life and not wanting to ever touch anything that is harmful or difficult or painful, that can become a very quick idol in our lives. Because guess what happens when you don't ever touch those things? Then you never need a savior. Then you actually never need a rescuer. You actually never need someone to come in. And that's the whole point. 
Jesus is the savior and he is the rescuer and we need him. And so if we never know that, then we never know the need for him either. And isn't it funny? Like we were never meant to know that need, but here we are. And he's come and he's met that need and he's been the savior that we need and the rest he is. And so I don't know where I was going. I lost my train of thought, but (laughs) no, that's all good. And there's, you know, there's a difference. There's a fine line difference between living expectant for the promises of God and living entitled. You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. I like love that. Being expectant and not entitled. That's so good. That yeah. is it. Because he does promise us, you know, we're heirs, we're we're his sons and yes. daughters, but there's a difference between expectancy and entitlement. Entitlement yes. is self-focused. I think expectancy is is Jesus focused and living in his promises. Well, isn't it true? And I think entitlement says you have my whole heart and my trust as long as you do it. True. Expectancy says. I know that you can, I believe that you will, but even if you don't, you still have my heart and you still have my trust. Yeah, that's good. So good. True. Oh, that we would all live from a place of that. Oh, yes. <laughs> Before we go, I see Finley. and Hi. <laughs> I love babies. <laughs> Before before we uh, wrap up, I was going to see if Annalise had anything. I see. Speaking of being a mama, she's holding thinly. <laughs> I've loved um, kind of being a fly on the wall and getting to listen. Um, I have so many thoughts, and it really it speaks to a season I, I really well understand. And kind of to touch on that analogy of going from disappointment to disengaging mm-hmm. to departure. Eventually, I think you know to live a life sacrificed and to die to self. Um, leaves no room for disappointment. Uh, Not like you're saying, like God is a good father and he wants to give us the desires of our heart. So it's only natural that we would experience disappointment in our life. Um, But truly, if we are living sacrificed unto the Lord, kind of like that picture you had of your holding both songs in your hands. Yeah. And really you're sowing into eternity when you sacrifice your gift to God. Yeah. And I just, it's so powerful. It's really speaking to me and helping me to kind of reevaluate where my heart has been at, um, to be transparent living in a season of disappointment. Yeah. Very frustrating. Like if we're just going to be completely raw, it is very frustrating to feel perpetually disappointed. I mean, it says it makes the heart grow sick. Exactly. You know, it's funny that scripture hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. I always read that. I think wrong. Mm. because hope, who is the hope of the world? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. So any, this is the way that I think about that scripture. Theologians send me an email if I'm incorrectly. Um, but I tend to look at that scripture that anything you put your hope in other than Christ yeah. will cause you to become sick. That is so deferring the hope in Christ will make your heart sick. And for so many years, my hope was in God doing something that I wanted him to do. And when he didn't disappointment settled in and I got very heart sick. Yeah. And it was a rearranging of my hope. My hope is in Christ. My hope is not in Christ doing something for me. Right. Yeah. And to transition from that entitlement to yes. expectancy. And is it, it's just so subtle. You just, I always think about this too. The level of your disappointment is a window 
into the level of areas where trust has been broken with the father. So when I was so disappointed that it was like, I can't catch my breath, kind of disappointed, like hard to function during the day. Like, let's get real. Like it's so overwhelming in my thoughts that like, I don't want to cook dinner for my kids. I don't want to do laundry right now. I don't want to show up. I don't want to lead worship. I don't want to host connect group. I don't want to read my Bible and I'm struggling to do all of that. And I'm crying and I'm angry. And this is a like, it's like rinse and repeat, right? Like every single day. And it's just, or I'm just stuffing. Like I'm just, I don't want to deal with this. I don't have time to deal with this. I can't talk about it. I'm going to break if I talk about it. But what that was really revealing is that like, this was an area that like I had deep, deep, like broken trust with Jesus. And I, that was a really hard thing to recognize that like, wow, like I, I, I have entitlement and I don't trust you. And I had to sort through it and I had to work through it. And you know, what's on the really beautiful side of it on this side, Annalise is it changed how I trust God. It completely recalibrated how I trusted God and why I trust God. And I'm so grateful for that season because I would, I think I would have stayed in that cycle for a very, very, very long time. And it would have just destroyed me. I mean, think about it. Like being sick is a really taxing thing. It zaps all of your energy. It zaps all of your ability to function. It just, it puts your whole life on pause. I mean, I'm literally, my kids have COVID and they're upstairs right now. And our life is on pause because we're sick. And I think that's what it happens spiritually too. Like when that hope gets deferred and you get sick, everything just pauses. Everything just becomes stagnant and it just stops moving. Everything just, it's like, it flatlines. And God is not about flatlining. God's about resurrecting, you know? Yeah, that is so good and incredible. (laughs) I love that little sound. Look at that hair. She doesn't like disappointment either. Look at that baby hair. Oh, this is real life. No, it's- For all of our listeners, we're looking at a really cute baby. A really cute baby. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> She's like, our gals. Sorry, gals. <laughs> well, you're, I mean, that's right. We are not meant to stay in our ashes. And Jesus died so that we could have life. And so I just so appreciate you hope for coming on and just really sharing your real honest story. And I appreciate my co-hosts as always for being willing to share their hearts and to dig into the conversation. Um, I think it's this, this whole idea of beauty for ashes, you know, is not the trite cute shirts or wall hangings. Like it is the real life that God intended for us to live. So Um, I just appreciate you. So before we go, I I would just um, love for you to tell us, couple things. Hi. Um, what you're doing now and <laughs> where they can connect with you. Okay. Um, I'm not doing much right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sitting at home today. <laughs> today. You know, it's funny though, <clears throat> like in all honesty, I spent the first 
six months of the year, just feverishly writing and writing and writing and writing because of ultimately we would love to make, um, I'd love to make another record, but you know, it was starting to just not be fruitful. And so I kind of in June, I kind of just took a second and I was like, you know what, Lord, this isn't feeling fruitful. This is actually feeling really hard and heavy and I'm okay with doing hard and heavy. If you're in it, like uh, that's fine. Like I'll, I'll, I'll press through, but I also want to be really sensitive that if, if your wind isn't at my back, like I don't want to be the one blowing on the propellers. And so I've actually kind of just stopped for a little bit. Like I've taken the last kind of month or two off and I just, I've been like enjoying the summer with my kids because you know what, everything that I said in this podcast is really true. Like if I never make another record, if I never release another song, that's fine. Yeah. And if I do, I want it to be because I know that God is breathing on it and because God's actually calling me to do it. Not because I was just caught up in the, there has to be momentum. There has to be more. There has to like, like that's just such an unhealthy, um, I think conversation that happens in every aspect of life in every arena of business. It's not just the business that I'm in. And I'm just way, I, look, I'm all about the disciplines of showing up and doing hard work. And like, I'm not talking about not doing that, but at the same time, I'm also about like, don't spend your wheels just to prove that you can. That, like, that's not really, that's not a healthy thing either. Yeah, and so I just, I'm kind of just waiting on the Lord to be honest with you. Like that's I'm still awesome. like doing things like writing devotionals and leading worship and, and all the things and raising a family and serving my local church. But from a like okay. artist standpoint, I'm just kind of like waiting on the Lord. I mean, like if there's more, there's more, if there's not, there's not like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love that hope. I mean, that that's a beautiful place to be and that's the free place. Yeah. To be, right. Yeah. It is. It's such a freeing place to be. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so you can imagine I've been listening to Maverick City's um wait on the Lord like on repeat. And yeah. that's she was like, that's what happens when you're right. I'm like, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's seasons for that. There's seasons. There is. For that. And I I'm just yeah. trusting you know, I think there will be more. I'm not doubting that there will be more, but I just think I want it to be God's more and not my more. Hundred percent. And I love that you say, you know, <clears throat> if if it's if he's blowing on the sail, that's that's great. <laughs> but you don't, you know, if it's not him, then I don't want to be good. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's oh, this thing is working. I hope this thing's working. I'm too old. I don't even have the energy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> who has the energy anyway, but I totally get that. And even with exhale women, the ministry and in the gatherings, you know, like we just relocated to Florida and this is an awesome community and that uh, women really do like they support each other and there's these organizations and boards and <clears throat> how can I help? What do you want me to do? And I'm like, I don't really know yet. <laughs> Like, honestly, planning another conference exhausts me to think of. And yeah. so I'm like, but God, what do you want? You know, and yeah. I feel permission just to wait on him. That's because, the thing. I, yeah. That's it. Because if it's God, uh, this is what I've learned. If it's God, yeah. you can't stop it. Because God, like, <laughs> God has a plan that cannot be thwarted. So I just always want to make sure that like I'm showing up and partnering with God's plan. Not that I'm asking God to partner with mine because it's just not going to work out great. And 
if it's like, even when we're tired, right? Like there are seasons where we are tired and we're weary, but God begins to move in our spirit and God begins to speak something. And suddenly there is a supernatural strength and stamina that starts to come with it. It doesn't mean it's easy. And it doesn't even mean that you are like, suddenly I can just feel like I can run a marathon, but it's like, God just gives you enough for that season. So I'm not saying like, just because it's hard, you shouldn't do it. It was very hard for me to sign a record deal. It wasn't like an easy thing for me where it's like, oh, this is just wonderful. And it was not easy for me to make a record. I'd never made one before. I felt in over my head every single day. I felt like I was drowning. I felt like this is the hardest thing I've ever did. And then you add on to it a pandemic and then also trying to homeschool in a quarantine. Like it was like every time it just got harder and harder and harder and harder. But I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew God was in it. Yes. hundred percent. And so there was a stamina, even on the days where I was like, I want to quit. I don't want to do this. I could never fully quit because I knew God was in it. Yeah. And he gives you that supernatural strength to keep doing it. Yeah, it, it is. So yeah. you have to it's be really, gift. sometimes it's just a gift of time, you know, because yeah. it's my hope, you know, that there will be, and, and, it's just right now. I'm like, oh, I think I'll just enjoy Florida for a minute. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, you order a cute swimsuit and go sit on the beach. <laughs> right. <laughs> the ways of God. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. But we are really uh, thrilled to have you on. And um, you did. You did, you did ask how they could connect. Yes. So I'm I'm on all the normal, I guess, social Instagram. like Instagram, Facebook. I have a website where I have some devotionals and resources that people yeah. can get. And eventually, probably a little bit later this year, I'll start kind of going out and doing a couple shows and we'll let people know where those will be. But yeah, that would be great. So can they sign up to uh, keep up to on the latest on your website? Yeah. I mean, you probably keep up with the latest if you follow me on Instagram, to be honest, because that's when I can let you know what's going on both on my website and YouTube. I have things on YouTube. And so, you know, I guess the normal places that people look now. Right. Well, we'll put it in the show notes so everybody can see, but it's Hope Darst (laughs) and she's fun to follow. And I did see that you um, released the acoustic version of Set Free. I did. And we're releasing another acoustic version next week, I think. Um, So, and then, you know, our, our church released an album <clears throat> my church the belonging car released an album back in may and i have several i only sing one of the songs but i wrote several songs on there so um great from that season <laughs> it's great. It's yeah. and so it's a great album if people haven't listened and then obviously i have an album that i put out last year that you can get on all platforms yes wonderful and i have both of those <laughs> and listen to them often so oh, thank you yeah so thank you for being our guest it's been thanks for having special. me so it's really an honor thanks yeah. thank you to everyone who's tuned in today um be sure to uh download it so you can hear the whole conversation if you are just now listening and we will see you next time Thanks so much for listening to the show. We are here for you. You can find me super easy at Holly A. Newton on Instagram and Holly Newton Official on Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and hear how the show is encouraging you. And let's help others find the show so that they can also be encouraged in their purpose and passions. There's a couple of ways you can do that. One by subscribing and another is by rating and reviewing the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And two, you can even screenshot, share in your stories, text it to your friends and family. And be sure to tag me at Holly A. Newton on the socials so we can connect.